Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship today. Thank you for being here. Our mystery prelude was sponsored by Bob Stewart. Did anybody get it? The look of love. Very good. Also, don't forget to sign the guest card or use the QR code sometime during the service. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday, and uh, we have an early morning service just with communion and ashes. It's at 7 o'clock in the chapel. It's about 15 minutes long, so if you'd like to do that in the morning. We have 1 and 7 o'clock also uh, worship services with ashes and communion. And there is lunch at noon, and we're having uh, Jersey Mike's at lunch, and then our youth mission team is having a taco bar with all the fixings at six o'clock before the seven o'clock service also um, faithful friends today after the late service if you want to learn more about planning a christian funeral and that will be in the great room also every month we like to put a did you know something that you probably don't know about redeemer uh, we had somebody paint the chapel. He's not a member, but he's in love with one of our members, so we give thanks for love. And uh, he painted the whole chapel, painted the um, pews, restained some of the pews. Uh, a big project. He didn't even want his name mentioned, but he just wanted me to say that he did that in memory of his dad. But just want you to know how much that project would have cost. That project would have been anywhere from fifteen dollars to $20,000, so we thank him for that. Rummage sales coming up on March 2nd and the 7th. You can drop off your junk here at church. And March 8th, you can come and buy some treasures. And March 3rd, the legacy of Rosie the Riveter, which should be really good. Birmingham Concert Band here in the sanctuary at 3 o'clock today. Also, there's Lenten devotionals throughout the building. There's some in the narthex. And two baptisms today, Jonah and Noel. We are so happy to have two baptisms today. What a celebration. We rise for opening hymn. Fly strong.
our beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. We invite the baptismal party up. Our Lord commanded baptism, saying to his disciples in the last chapter of Matthew, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The holy apostles of the Lord have written, the promise is for you and your children, and baptism now saves you. Receive the sign of the cross both on your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Here, how our Lord Jesus Christ had opened the kingdom of God to little children. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him bless them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And to the sponsors, it is your task as sponsors to confess with the whole church the faith in our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whose name these children are to be baptized. After these children have been baptized, you are at all times to remember them in your prayers, put them in mind of their baptism, and as much as, you, as much in you lies, give your counsel and aid, especially if they should lose their parents, that they be brought up in the true knowledge and worship of God, be taught the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, and that as they grow in years, you place in their hands the Holy Scriptures, bringing them to the services of God's house, and provide for their future instruction in the Christian faith, abiding in their baptismal grace and in communion with the church, they may grow up and lead godly lives to the praise and honor of Jesus Christ. This then you intend gladly and willingly to do? If so, say yes. yes. Because these children cannot answer for themselves, we shall all together with sponsors and parents faithfully speak on their behalf in the testimony of the forgiveness of sin and the birth of life and faith, which God our Father bestows in and through baptism. And so I ask everyone present, do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? If so, then say, I do renounce them. I do renounce them. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? If so, then say, yes, I believe in God the Father. Yes, I believe in God the Father. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son? If so, then say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, I do you believe in the Holy Spirit who calls and sanctifies and makes the church holy? If so, then say, yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Who brings these children to be baptized? And how is this one named? Jonah, Bradley, Clow, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you new birth of wonder and the Spirit, has forgiven you all your sins, strengthened you with his grace unto life everlasting, Jonah. Sorry I got you very wet there. Here's a little <laughs> napkin, your baptismal napkin. You can wipe yourself off. Here you go. Take your baptismal napkin. And here's your shell that you were baptized with. And your cross that you were baptized in. Now I gotta get one for your sister. And who brings this child to be baptized? How was this child named? Noel, grace Father, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has granted you new birth of one and the Spirit, has forgiven you all your sins. And Noel, the Lord bless you from this day forth and even forevermore. This is your shell. And a third practice of the third century church that gives a newly baptized a lit candle serve as a constant reminder that what happens in the water of baptism. Face the congregation through baptism. God has added Jonah and Noel to his own people to declare the wonderful deeds of our Savior who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And on behalf of Redeemer, we welcome you in the Lord's family. We receive you as fellow members of the body of Christ, children of the same Heavenly Father, to work with us in his kingdom Jonah and Noel, the Lord bless you in all your ways from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. We welcome our. You can, you can blow those Walk into that at the end of church. From Sunday school. Invite the children forward for the children's message. So at 9 o'clock service, I had this all set up for the children's sermon. And it's really, it had a big casing around it, so it looked like a big light bulb. And when I was trying to plug it in, it started to roll down the steps of the pulpit. It hit the first step, it was on carpet, didn't break. Hit the second step, didn't break. Then it hit the ground, I was like watching in slow motion. It broke all over. And I was so excited, I was going to use this in my dorm room when I go to college. <laughs> Today is Transfiguration Sunday. Something special happens. Jesus shows all his glory to three disciples. He becomes bright as the sun. What an occasion that must have been. And today we celebrate the Transfiguration, and it's always the last Sunday before we go into Lent. And Lent begins this coming week. And now we're going to follow Jesus to the cross. So I got you some cool body tattoos of a cross and it says pick up your cross and follow me so i want to thank you for coming up
And where can they find their... God, not a good day. We're lower level. Testament reading for today is taken for the sec from the second book of Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? <clears throat> Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Here ends the Old Testament reading. The epistle reading for today is taken from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 
For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here ends the epistle reading.
please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Our Holy Gospel reading this morning is from Mark 9, verses 2 through 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and for one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Here ends our Holy Gospel reading. Praise be to Please be seated. We'll continue with our sermon hymn. to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you know men are going to enter heaven 30 minutes before women? No, listen, Revelation 8 verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> What a comfort to know when we breathe our last, our soul leaves the body, the body that so often becomes a prison for us due to illness and age. We get to be with the Lord. You ever question it? Like, well, really, can this whole Bible thing be true? Is there life after death? Is there going to be a resurrection for our bodies? 
This was a big thing, this transfiguration event. Three of the Gospels record it. Thirty years later, Peter would say, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we are eyewitnesses of, of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from him in the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Moses and Elijah. Why those two people from history? Deuteronomy 18, Moses speaking, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Isn't that what we heard in our gospel lesson? The voice of God? Speaking about his son, listen to him. And certainly Jesus surpasses who Moses is. Why these two? Moses, he represents the law, the Torah. Elijah represents the prophets. Now we heard our Old Testament lesson for today. Each of these two characters have interesting departures. We heard Elijah taken up. He didn't see death. He didn't see death, and he was taken up to heaven bodily form. And Moses. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord said. So the reason... He got to see the promised land from afar, but the reason Moses didn't get to enter it? On one occasion, the children of Israel were were thirsty. They were grumbling against God and Moses for water. God told Moses, I hear what they want. Take your staff, strike the rock, and water came forth. Well, some time passed, and again, they were thirsty and grumbling against God. Moses is frustrated with the people, and perhaps God, work he has to do. They're thirsty, and God says, speak to the rock, and it will give water. Moses is so upset, he strikes it with his staff. That's a whole other sermon, a fascinating study. We'll do that sometime during Lent. God didn't, wasn't happy with Moses because he struck the rock. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Isn't that interesting? He dies alone. Not alone, God is there. And God buries his servant, Moses. But nobody knows where he's buried. I love when the Bible quotes secular sources. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Do not be misled. Quote, bad company corrects good character. That was a secular quote. We do know of a comic, a poet, who lived long before Paul. He'd used those words. Some trace those words back to Socrates. In Acts 17, Paul is the master missionary. He's Jewish, he's a rabbi. But he understands, you have to know other people's cultures. He's in Athens. He's talking to them. He's trying to connect on their level so he can build a bridge to Christ. 
He says in Acts 17, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. My favorite is uh, from Titus. Titus, the epistle, the letter is from Paul, and he's, he's telling Titus, you know, he's got to raise up some pastors. And Paul goes into great detail what characteristics should be considered before you claim somebody to be a pastor. And it's interesting because he quotes uh, a prophet, not a prophet of God, but Crete, from the 6th century B.C. So he's warning him about some people and their behavior. One of the Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. That's a good quote. The book of Jude, fascinating book. He quotes from the book of Enoch. Now, you're not going to find the book of Enoch in the Bible, the Old Testament. Uh, The Old Testament is what the Jews considered scripture. And so the Christians have accepted the books that they have given us. Jude, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now listen to First Enoch chapter 1, verse 9. And behold, he cometh with 10,000 of holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to destroy all the ungodly and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness which they have committed and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Quoting an outside source. Now you're only going to find this one place in the Bible. You don't hear about it in the Old Testament where Moses, the time he lived and died, you hear about it from Jude. Jude has some information that no one has. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Isn't that fascinating? You see, it only makes sense if Elijah is there physically, present, earthly body, Moses has been resurrected. Now, why would Satan want the body of Moses? And by the way, there's spiritual warfare all around us. If we could pull back that cosmic curtain, we would be shocked of what is around us. In Daniel, Daniel's praying to God for help. God sends the angel Gabriel. We know Gabriel from the New Testament. Well, Gabriel can't get there right away. Why? Daniel 10, 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, so we're assuming this prince is really a reference to a fallen angel. And perhaps this indicates certain angels, good or bad, have certain territories they're responsible for, to do evil or good. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. That's fascinating. Now we have a battle over Moses' body. 
Why would Satan want Moses' body? One theory is that his desire is to take those bones and take it to the children of Israel in the promised land. Why? They'd be tempted maybe to worship dead Moses instead of the living God. We said that's hard to believe. Romans, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Remember the story of the wilderness when they're being bit by snakes and they're dying and they're crying out for help? God tells Moses, make a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole. Anybody who looks to it will be healed. Well, they kept that serpent. It was a keepsake from the past to remind them of how God cared for them. But eventually they started worshiping the serpent on the pole. That's a good theory. I think the best theory, and maybe this is right before the transfiguration. We know it's after Moses' death. Perhaps it's right before the transfiguration. Satan knows what God's plan is. And he wants the body of Moses so can't appear on this majestic mountaintop experience. That could be. Now, nowhere in the Old Testament do we hear this. What's interesting, Origen, he, lived, he was born around 185. He's a church father. Church fathers are the leaders of the early Christian church. In his writings, he says he read about this in a book called The Assumption of Moses. Now, we don't have this book anymore. We have, we have some pieces of it. And now it's in Latin. It's not a reliable document. But perhaps that was a well-known story. Obviously, uh, the people Jude is writing to, they know the story. And that's why Moses and Elijah appear together. And what's interesting, the three Gospels cover this. We're told in one of the Gospels what the conversation was about between these three. It was about Jesus' departure. It was coming soon. Did Jesus need some encouragement? He's fully God, but he's fully man also. He knew what it was like to be hungry, to be tired. He cried when he heard his friend Lazarus was dead. In the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying, take this cup of suffering from me, he sweats blood, a rare medical condition, hemohydrosis. Is this to encourage Jesus? Because his next mountaintop experience is Calvary. Perhaps. Is it to encourage Peter, James, and John? They're often referred to inner circle. They know a little more than all the other disciples. Jesus tells them a little more. Is it to encourage them? Notice Jesus says, don't tell anybody till after the resurrection. You know, they're completely mixed up. They love this scene. They're looking for an earthly king. Our gospel lesson started with the word six days after. After what? Jesus said he was going to Jerusalem to die. They didn't want to hear that. They wanted an earthly king. Even our gospel lesson says they talked about what in the world Jesus was talking about resurrection. Maybe it was to encourage them. All mountaintop experiences come to an end. Jesus and the three must now go into the valley, the valley of the shadow of death. 
we start Lent, we go on that journey too. Every Wednesday, we're looking at the red letters of Jesus. Oh, we hear them. Do we follow them? Do we practice them? As we go down from this mountaintop experience, you know, we're going into Jesus' passion, but maybe, maybe you're starting a passion right now. Maybe you're in the midst of a passion of suffering. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe a, a medical problem. You're scared. You know, you hold on to this mountaintop experience, and God has given probably each of us at least one mountaintop experience when something great happened in our life, and we knew God was there. We knew God is with us. We know God loves us. But many a times going down that valley is so hard. And you've got to hold on to those mountaintop experiences when you walk through the valley. And know this, every mountaintop experience is connected to a valley. To know that when we die, we're going to heaven. To know there is a resurrection. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It's happened to me on more than one occasion. Somebody's very sick, I go to the hospital. Before I get there, they have passed. person at the front desk knows. I'll ask the name. You know, they don't say, oh, yeah, they went to heaven. Or, oh, too bad they went to hell. <laughs> <laughs> they don't say they died. You know what the words I've heard? They've expired. <laughs> expired, I hate that term. What, what is he, a head of lettuce? But it's more of a biblical term than I think, even though I don't like it. The body that is sown is perishable. Each of us has a date on us. We will expire. It is raised imperishable. It is so, sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Do you hear that? Perishable, imperishable, dishonor, glory, weakness, power, natural, spiritual. The Greek word for imperishable. It, it's similar to the English. The first letter of the alphabet in Greek is the alpha. Um, we do this with words sometimes by just adding a syllable. You know, instead of saying not able, we'll say unable. Change the whole meaning of the word, right? Cool, uncool. I always said that in college. <laughs> the word here has that alpha. Athethos, athethos. Imperishable. To know today that the glory of Christ is in heaven and our loved ones who are there are celebrating and are in the midst of the glory of Christ and sharing in that glory. And one day we will join them. And there will be a resurrection. Now, if the Old Testament Jewish people knew about Michael fighting over the body of Moses, 
They didn't write it down, but maybe it was an oral story, and over time, it disappeared. You know what I find fascinating? Because it sort of connects with Michael watching over the body of Moses. The Jews had a tradition that Michael was the one that watched over the remains of the children of God. That connects very well with what Jude is saying. You go to a cemetery, you even go to our columbarium, you often see a statue of Michael because that tradition is stuck. This week, give some thought to the price of your salvation, of what Christ did so that your perishable body will survive and live in eternity in that new heaven and new earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We rise and sing the offertory.
we rise. God, God of the covenant, the cloud of your splendor and the fire of your love revealed your son on the mountain heights. As your son drew apart to be in prayer with you, we offer our prayers for the transformation of the world and the church. We pray that as we gather around the table, we may be transformed by the grace of Christ. We pray that the food we bring will be used to show the love that you have for us and all creation. We pray that today, we may be living sacrifice for those who need to know the truth of your life-living gospel. Today we pray for those grieving the loss of loved ones, the family and friends of Alexander. We pray for those facing health concerns, Ruth Newman, Helga, Sue, Barbie, Linda, Frank, Jackie, James, Betty, Linda Christensen, John Wargelin, Evelyn Springstead, Mary Ann, Myrna Orva, Beth Hamada, Dr. Dale Robinson, and Ron Ging. We pray for those in hospice care, Etta Unruh. We pray special petitions to watch over the people of the Middle East during this time of war, for all those serving in the military, police, and firefighters, for all world leaders to be receptive to godly counsel, and for all those suffering from other health concerns. Prayers of thanksgiving this morning as we welcome through baptism Jonah and Noel, and for all those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, our sanctuary altar flowers placed by David and Barbara Peterson, our lectern flowers placed by Catherine Anthony, and our chapel flowers placed by Bob Stewart. All this we ask as you have taught us to pray. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace. Amen. 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 